This episode is brought to you by Set for Life Insurance. Listen, docs, one of the first steps we took to pay off our student loan debt was realizing we paid way too much for our disability insurance. That all changed when we found Set for Life Insurance. They helped us with a customized insurance policy that met our needs and most of all, budget. To learn more, check out setforlifeinsurance.com. All right, Docs, let's face it, time to get real. You tune into Docs Outside the Box because you want to know how to take control of your career, right? Well, look, my new sponsor, Provider Solutions and Development, they have a team of experts ready to guide Docs just like you through today's job landscape. Now, whether you are looking to dive deeper into your specialty or you want to find a healthier work-life balance, they can help find the right fit for you. So I want you right now to start the conversation with a PSND career coach at psdrecruit.org forward slash docs outside the box. Hey guys, what's good? This is Dr. Nee. Welcome back. So on today's episode, let's focus on the second M, which is mindset. Okay, we don't really focus too much on these episodes, mainly because we're really focusing on money, you know, personal finance, how to pay off your debt, how to invest, you know, how to create generational wealth. And then also, you know, we talk a little bit about social advocacy as well as medical humanitarian work. But even that we don't really focus too much on. And I want to really take an opportunity to really take a concerted effort to focus on those two things. On this episode, we're going to focus on mindset, specifically the growth mindset. Some of you all may be familiar with the concept of fixed versus growth mindset, but basically years ago, Dr. Carol Dweck came up with this idea and growth mindset basically is essential for success, right? Understanding the growth mindset leads you to a desire to, I'd say, learn. And because of that, you'll have a tendency to embrace challenges. If there are setbacks in life, you'll be very persistent and be able to get through them. And then you kind of also learn from criticism, right? There's so many more things that I can talk about the growth mindset, but that's the three main concepts of it, right? If you understand all of these concepts, as a result, you'll reach higher levels of achievement, right? And that is so true in what we do as physicians, right? We are in the 1% of people, not because we're elite, but because, you know, there are not many physicians, there are not many healthcare professionals out there who are able, you know, to do what we do. And I think what we end up doing is we put ourselves in a corner and just say to ourselves, well, I just know medicine and that's it. I don't want to understand anything else or I do not have the capability. My brain doesn't have the capability. I don't have the time to do something different. And that couldn't be farther from the truth. So my next guest on this show really embodies the growth mindset. His name is Hela Sidibe. Now, my man is a former Division I soccer star. He's an immigrant from the country Mali not too far from Ghana. And when he came to the United States, he had aspirations of being a professional soccer player. I'm not going to spill the beans, but basically he had to pivot and that didn't work out. And, you know, he found joy in running and now he's a streak runner. And I didn't even know anything about what streak running is, but basically, you know, I ran in college as a runner. And I know that when you run, you run for several days and then you take days off to allow the body to recover. And that's where the real growth occurs during those days off or the days in which you're doing something different and you're giving the body a chance to recover. Well, that doesn't exist in streak running. What streak running, the essence is, is you're taking pride in how many days straight you can run. Well, I'm going to tell you something right now. When people say that you are passionate about something and you don't feel like you have to work a day in your life, this is true. This is really true with my next guest. My man has run every day for the last four years. And because of this, he's developed a huge following on YouTube. He's gotten to travel across the world and meet some really amazing folks, amazing companies. He's got people sponsoring him. He's got a huge following, not just on YouTube, of people who just wanted streak run just because of what he's doing. And on this episode, you're going to learn about obviously the growth mindset, which he embodies, but we're going to talk about his career. We're also going to talk about the motivation to be running for four years straight and also the best way to build a habit. And then last but not least, we're going to get into why one day he decided to run 52 miles in a day. And I'm telling you, this was not a race. This was not sponsored or anything like that. He just said, 
I'm going to run 52 miles in a day. And it's a pretty incredible story. This is something that I think you all can learn from. Oftentimes, we do not necessarily have to learn from other doctors. We can learn from just regular people who are doing amazing things also. And this is definitely an example of that. So without further ado, I present Hela Sidibe. Let's get it. Hela Sidibe, my brother from another mother, my brother from Mali. Yeah. How are you? Thanks for jumping on Docs Outside the Box. Welcome, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, man, it's exciting to have you here, not just because I love your story, but I'm also inspired by your story. And I think that a lot of people who are like me, who are working professionals, very busy, can learn something from you because, you know, as you've done this streak, as you've done this running on a daily basis, you found, you know, very simple, easy life hacks to really get your runs in through the day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, man. So, Let's jump into this. Like I said before, you've done a zillion of these episodes. You've done a zillion of these interviews. And I know that people ask you the same questions over and over and over Uh again. So, you know, what's the toughest part when you do these interviews? What's the toughest part? What's the part you get tired about? It doesn't feel like I'm repeating myself too much. Really? Yeah, it doesn't at all. Because one, I love communicating. I love talking with people. Two, it's just telling the story excites me because it always reminds me to the first day when you think everything is impossible. And then it's just like fascinating to me having people hear what it took for me to get here and how easy it could be. It's tough, but how easy we can make it to wherever we want to be. So I love sharing my side of the story all the time, just so people get up and do what they have to do for whatever that they want to do and go for it because it can be very simple. Wow. So like we're talking now, are you officially at 1,300 days now or? No, not yet. I actually completed this morning. I made sure I got my run before I talked to you because I have yes, to How far there. did you go? Seven miles. Seven oh. miles. Easy seven miles. It felt really good and comfortable. Usually that's my go-to number. Seven miles is a number that kind of isn't like too easy for me, but it doesn't test me to a point where I can't keep up or go the next day. So it's just like perfect balance for me where I feel like I'm not being lazy, but I'm getting a little bit of a work in, but I'm not getting killed at the same time. So seven miles is literally my special number. And it just happened to be that range that I like. So today I completed my 1,276 consecutive days of running. 1,276 consecutive days, man. Dang. Yeah. I saw when you went to Mali, because, you know, I'm, uh-huh. I'm gone at the red clay. So you can't forget that, right? Like, no. when you flew there, that has to be at least a 10-hour flight if you're going to 14 red. total. 14 total. 14 total. Like, how did you keep the street going? Because... Okay, going to Mali was the easiest. Going to Australia with GoPro was the hardest. I'll tell both stories. Yeah, let's hear that So going to Mali is easy. Let's say my flight is tonight from JFK, 7 p.m. We usually leave 6, 7 p.m. I already got my run in in the morning. So today is the 11th of November. I got my run in before I hop on a flight. So the flight going to Paris now, they're ahead of us anyway. So either way, when I land in Paris, it's going to be tomorrow morning, where usually it's like midnight here for tomorrow for us. So Thursday around like one in the morning here, it's like, what is it that there's six hours ahead of yes. us, I believe. Yeah, yeah. So it's like 7 a.m. in Paris. So I already did my run for today. So it's the next day already. In fact, I'm at a disadvantage, but I'm still sticking to the time of New York. I'm not going to go with the Paris time because they're ahead. I could still get my daily running at that time and be good. But when I get to Paris, there's a layover. You get on a 2 p.m. or 4 p.m. flight to Mali. So when I get to Mali, it's 5 p.m. in Mali. But Mali is only, at this point, it's only five hours ahead of us Yes. in time. So when I'm there, so let's say that it's 12 noon here, it's 5 p.m. in Mali, it's still the same day. It's just that they're ahead of us. So hours. either way, my streak is still in New York time or Eastern time zone, and it's still the same day in Mali just ahead of us. So there's no way of me messing up my streak. But going to Australia, on the other hand, was the tough one because they're a whole day ahead of us. We're talking about 12 hours. So when GoPro invited me to go to Australia with them, immediately my reaction was, wow, this is so awesome, but I want to decline it because I'm going to mess up my streak. And because of my running, actually, I met GoPro. So it's important to me to keep it going. And I talked to them. So they hooked me up with travel agents to figure out how to get me to Australia without having me ruining my streak. So I ran here today. In the afternoon, I jumped on a flight to LA. So I spent a whole day in LA and still on New York time, even though LA is three hours behind. I could have been on LA time, but that would have been an advantage for me because that's three extra hours I get back. But I always make sure that my time zone is here, running in this time zone. And at midnight on a Saturday, so on Friday, midnight here, 9 p.m. in LA. So it's midnight here, Saturday morning and Friday there, 9 p.m. Still on the Eastern time zone. I make sure I got up at midnight and got my run in before I got on a flight to go 13 hours to get to Brisbane. So 
I already did that run while I was in the flight. So I made sure that I took care of the run. 13 hours, we get to Brisbane. And then we took another five-hour flight from Brisbane to Broome. So at that point, it was still Sunday over there. But they were ahead of us. So Sunday, we're talking about 4 p.m. But it was 4 a.m. here Sunday in New Jersey. So I got my run. As soon as I got to the hotel or resort, I just changed immediately, not eating nothing. I was hungry. I made sure I went up to do my run. It was still Sunday there, Sunday here, but 4 a.m. here and 4 p.m. there. So I kept the streak alive that way. Coming back was much easier because you're gaining the time back. Not ahead of us. Yeah. So there's always a way. And if it came down for me to not go to Australia, and we used to joke around, if I have to go to Australia, I can't because how am I going to keep my streak alive? Total flight. We're talking about 26 hours. Okay. So when you're running, are you running in the airport? Or are you just, I know you said you spent 24 hours. So you're in Los Angeles. So you just ran when you were at the hotel? Yeah. I, I ran outside when I was in Los Angeles. I actually um, spent a little bit of time with my friend. Does it have to be seven miles or it could be anything? For me, I like seven miles, five miles, but I run intuitively. So at that point when I'm traveling, if I can get a quick three mile in, a quick two mile in, I'll do it and get it out the way. Um, I'll go one and a half up, one and a half back and get it out of the way. But if you look at the average, it's always higher up. So if it comes down to it, even getting back to get my at least a quick couple of miles in, I'll get that in. Man, have you ever ran an airport? No. I'm always like creating these ideas in my head. That's like a case of nice happens, like, right I'm there. stuck in the airport. I'm going to go find a first class lounge and go to them and say, hey, guys, this is important. Can I use a treadmill? Because they have gyms in the airport. My priority is to run outside no matter the circumstances. But if I have no access to outside because something happened, I'm going to find a first class lounge and go to their gym and use their treadmill. I'm going to go speak to whoever's up front there and say, hey, can I jump on a treadmill? And hopefully they will otherwise... I have to go talk to the security. Hey, I need to run back and forth in the airport. Don't think I'm crazy and arrest me. They'll probably let you because, I mean, all you got to do is name drop, right? Like GoPro, you've worked with yeah. Casey Neistat. Like Casey Neistat gets away with things like that. Like, yeah, he, he gets away with things like that. You would be able to get away with that too, man. Yeah. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Like, I just want to start off by saying that for me, I used to run in high school and I used to run track. I used to run cross country and then I ran in college. Yeah. And it was just one of these pride things that I always had in med school that, you know, I could always run like, you know, like a six minute mile if I wanted to without exercising. Yeah. And that was just a bad habit. And that bad habit became another bad habit, became yeah. another bad habit. And next, you know, it's just really tough for me. And it catches up. Right. So like, talk to me about like some of the stories that you probably heard, because I'm sure you're inspiring so many different people. Talk to me about some of the stories that you've gotten from people who said, listen, man, just by watching you, I may not be able to do seven miles a day. Yeah. Talk to me about that. People told me that they thought you only have to be a professional to be a runner. I said, no, there's so many kinds of runners. They said that they thought people would make fun of him. Somebody told me personally that he tries to run. His friends were making fun of him, that he's slow. And I said, it's not about even that. It's about what you can do for yourself. If you're slow, but if that's your best, that's okay. It's slow to their eyes, but it's not slow to your eyes because you know what you're going through at that point. People have told me that they were inspired to start running and they ended up losing tons of weight because they were overweight and it made them feel healthier. It made them want to eat better and have a better lifestyle. In fact, people also have said that it's not even about the running, the consistency part that they saw in me. They decided to tackle their dreams at some stuff that they wanted to do. And it's coming into light. So it became bigger than me. When I started hearing all these people's stories, some people have reached out personal stories about it, even taking their life away. And I talk to them. And I always make sure that, hey, I'm not a, make sure you talk to a professional, um, talk to your family. So, <laughs> yeah. Because it's something, Imagine, one of those yeah. things that I would feel really bad if I'm the only one that know about it and something happens. So I make sure, and I even, a little boy that spoke to me about his brother passing away. And this kid was 12 years old. And he said that his older brother was everything to him and he doesn't want to live anymore. So I got nervous and I was speaking to him and I found out that he has a sister that was following him. So I reached out to the sister and communicated with the sister that your little brother came to me to say these, and I want to make sure that you guys are aware of it so he gets the help that he needs. And they ended up talking with him, and then she reached out to me. This happened like maybe two years ago and told me that paying attention and thanked me for doing what I did that. And now we were friends. We haven't spoken in a while, a long time, but things like that. So I realized the running thing is not even about my ego because I prove it to myself. I'm confident to say I can go every day for the rest of my life. That's what I didn't want to say in the very beginning because how I fell in love with it. But it's not even about me anymore because I know I'm disciplined. I'll make it happen no matter what. And God forbid, unless if I really don't have my capability of running. So that's why I'm taking advantage of it every single day. So there's so many amazing stories. It's like endless. There's still DMs that I haven't been able to respond to from a year ago that I'm trying to. Yeah. I think that's the, the upside of social media, being able to talk yeah. to someone and relate with someone. 
you know, particularly because, you know, like back in the 80s and 90s, you know, way before your time, you know, if you were a nerd or if you didn't have yeah. any friends, like that was it, you know, but yeah. with social media, you can connect with anybody who's doing it. You can it. have friends. Yeah. It's amazing. Virtual. It's amazing. But uh -huh. I also love the fact that, like you said, you went above and beyond and yeah. you connected, you know, with the person's sister to help them with that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I was nervous. I was like, I even talked to my creative director, my girlfriend. I was like, what should I do? Because I'm scared. I, I don't know. I'm not a professional. I don't know what to do with these situations. I saw you mention it because at the end of your video, there's always a thing that says who the videographer. Alexa Torres. That's your girlfriend. Yo, tell yeah. me, like, she's been with you from, like, how important is it to have a videographer? How important oh, has she been for you? Amazing. Because all I have to worry about is running. Could you imagine if I have to worry about making sure I get the shots, making sure I'm getting these pictures? Everything you've seen on social media, okay, from day 163 when we uploaded that first running picture, that first running video, has nothing to do with me. It's all her creative side. And yeah, I put my own foot on it. And then when she tells me no, and then I see what she means, but I'm like, oh, thank God you told me no. <laughs> I don't have that. That's not me. She's savvy. If it's running. Yeah, she's savvy. Yeah. So I trust her a thousand percent, even certain things that she wants to do and I'm not sure about it. And then we do it. I'm like, oh, I see now because I don't have that creative side. So she does. And everything we've done, she literally, if people think that she went to videography school. Some people have asked me what school she, did she go to. I'm like, no, when we started, she just started going for it. And then again, consistency, recording me all the time, editing all the time. She's so good at it. I see her hit all these buttons on the computer editing. I'm like, what are you even doing? And then I tried to look at it. I'm like, okay, I don't even want to figure out what this is about. But So technically, when you got invited to the YouTube creative mm -hmm. space, was that technically she was going or so like- This is what happened. It's called YouTube Black. So there's YouTube Black, YouTube Latino. So they're doing this to kind of help the minority like have an opportunity because YouTube is predominantly white, so they want to make sure that it's diverse. So they do these things, YouTube Black. So I was selected to go to that. Immediately, I said, hey, my partner needs to come. She needs to come. Obviously, she's not Black. She's Puerto Rican Italian. And then they said, hey, as long as she's part of the team, they didn't even question it. As long as she's part of the team, she's very crucial to you, she can come. And then she was invited. And then she was part of all the whole expenses. We're talking about meals, the hotel. So immediately, YouTube was very good about that. And she was there as well. because. If she wasn't there, I wasn't going to be able to get the content that I needed. Not just that, she needed to get the knowledge because they were teaching us about camera, audio, all this, that. It went in one ear and out the other. Literally, as soon as we left, I don't remember a thing. So it was important for her to be there for that whole week in New York. Come on, y'all. Now, trust me, I've been there. So I know. So whether it's you're not challenged at work anymore or administration is pissing you off or look, you just can't stand your partners anymore. You know when the writing is on the wall to leave your practice. Now, our sponsor, Provider Solutions and Development, they have a team of experts that are ready to guide you through today's physician job landscape. With over 20 years of experience, they are committed to finding you the right team, the perfect setting and the work you are meant to do. PSND in-house recruiters are not focused on quotas and they don't work on commission. That's what I'm talking about. Whether this is your moment to shine, pivot direction, discover something new, or heck, look, just be a doc outside the box. Provider Solutions and Development has access to hundreds of opportunities across the country. Reach out today at www.psdrecruit.org forward slash docs outside the box. Yeah, it was really fascinating to watch you meet all these different creatives. And yeah. I like the video where you met with Casey Neistat. That was pretty cool yeah. also. Uh -huh. I like your videos because it's more than just running. It's like this experience that you take people on. And I like that because I'm like, okay, I get the running part. That part is pretty straightforward, but it's the, okay, icing your legs or, you know, talking, you know, with your girlfriend about, you can hear in the background what she thinks and giving you advice and yeah, I really appreciate that. That's something that I think you don't normally see on YouTube. So I got a question. Let's take it all the way back, right? Because like you said, we're getting close to 1300. Take us back to day one or even before day one, because running is not your primary sport. Like you are like a uh, legit soccer man. Like how did you transition from football, soccer into running? Why? Yeah. So 
soccer whole life grew up in West Africa, Mali. It was just automatic. You like it or not, you're going to fall in love with soccer in Mali. That's literally everything. You can't wait to come from school and meet with your friends on the field. At some point, like you're so out late, your parents get worried. They go looking for you and get in trouble and you repeat it again. People are playing with like pieces of paper and they make it a ball. Everything. That's how serious it is. If people look closely up on my legs, I have scars all over because we find dirt, gravel road. And then I still go back with a cut on my leg the next day because we love playing. So automatically when you're running, you're playing game, you're enjoying the game. You don't care about running. You're just doing anything to win the ball, to score. So your team wins. I come to the U.S. I'm like, man, they got a nice grass. I can sleep on this thing. So that was a huge <laughs> advantage for me mm-hmm. running. I excelled pretty quick in high school soccer, getting colleges to look at me and went to college. I had some professional teams reach out to me and wanted to draft me. So I had, there's all of these immigration issues that came along with it that I would say I'll kind of slow down my path to be the soccer player that I wanted to be. And it was out of my control. So I hated everything that was coming with that. And a lot of excuses I was making were valid because of all those things. I had opportunity to play in China, Germany. I had opportunity to play, to be a top draft pick in the MLS. And they couldn't draft me because of that reason. I was dropped to supplementary draft. Sporting Kansas City has emailed me. We're going to pick you this round, this time. So there's so many things. I went to preseason with MLS teams. I got signed by a professional team in Seattle that told me that they're going to kind of farm me so I get ready for Sporting Kansas City. So immigration stuff gave me another year so they figure out their roster situation. So there's so many things going on. But I kept trying for my goals of playing. And there was some point in 2017, early in the year, I'm watching YouTube. I'm a huge car enthusiast. I'm watching one of my favorite YouTubers that are car YouTubers from London. Uh, his name is Paul Wallace. Supercars of London is his channel. He's like, for the 2017 New Year's, I want to try running. And I'm sitting there like, Paul is the nerdiest car guy ever. You show anything about cars, he'll tell you what it is. He's not an athlete. He talks about that. He's not athletic at all. And he's telling me via his video, not me, but his audience, that I want to try running. So I'm sitting there like, hella, come on, if he can do it, you can do it. You're an athlete, so it should be a little easier for you. And I've always wanted to keep that, you know, off season, you have this body that's just like insane because you've been going for three, four months, training, running. So I love how I look off season. And then you come back and you're like trying to do everything to maintain it, but you just fall off the wagon. It doesn't work. And then I try to go to the gym for a week straight, three days into it, I fall off. I wasn't consistent. So that was triggering my head from that YouTuber my inconsistency, you want to keep that soccer body, you better start running at least every day for something because that's how you maintain it. So I told myself, I want to run every single day just for two weeks. Two weeks was the goal. And it was something that was big enough for me at that point, but not too big that I would kind of like be scared of it. Just enough. And I said 10 minutes, at least 10 minutes. So that's how I started the running journey. And this was literally, I was going 10 minutes a day for the first week. And then I did it pressure free. I didn't care how fast I was going how long I was going, as long as I just do 10 minutes. And I was like, wow, this is not as bad as I thought. This is not as scary as I thought because running was a punishment for us in college and I didn't like it. So I fell in love with it. And next thing you know, I'm running longer and further and it just kept going. It was a domino effect. And after the two weeks, I told my creative director, I said, I called her Belle, which means beautiful in French. I said, hey, I think I can see myself doing this for the rest of my life, but let me not get ahead of myself. Let's do 365 days. I didn't even know streaking was a thing. I just want to run every day for a year. I thought I would have been probably the first ever to do this because I wasn't even in the running where I had no idea people did streaking or anything. And we started going and she convinced me multiple times, hey, we should put this on YouTube. I think this is cool. I finally listened to her on day 163. And thank God I did because that's the video that kind of blew up and gave me a YouTube career. Wow. So now that you are, what, we're talking close to four years now? Yeah, four years, May 15th will be fourth year. Yeah, four years. Over. What continues to drive you at this point? Is it the competition? You just love running? What's driving you at this point? Immediately, it's literally, I think about one thing right now, just a privilege that I have of running. It's a privilege that not everybody has. Like, I have my legs, I can run. And then the feeling of it, it never gets old. Like, you get beat up. I really? get beat up. It so doesn't many. get old. It doesn't get old because, I mean, if it's all about, it's really joyful, but you find the joy within the pain. Because, I mean, think about it. Who goes out there to run every day for this long and your body, you're pounding the pavements and it's tough, but like there's joy that you find within that. I like being beat up. I like that kind of challenge because it shows me my true self. It shows me, are you going to give up mentally? Are you going to make excuses again? Hell, or are you going to push through it? So I have these ways of making me going and then doing it for something bigger than me. I see what is changing people's lives, not so much even mine. And I said, I'm going to keep holding on for people. I'm going to keep holding on 
for the greater good. I want to keep holding on because I have the ability to. Some people can't even walk, let alone run. So that doesn't sap it out of you because, like, you feel like there's pressure now. Like, you got to keep this going. You got zero pressure. That, that never actually, really? the day I get pressure, I'm gonna quit. And the reason I'm in love with running because I feel like I'm doing it at my own will. The pressure thing is very important because you got to do something that's attainable for yourself. If you start feeling pressure, it's not going to be joyful anymore because what happens if you can't kind of like get to the goal that you need to do at a certain day and the pressure blows up, you're going to start getting down on yourself. You're going to start being all these negative energies. So it's zero pressure. So doing all this is a greater feeling within myself that I'm happy that I'm doing it for others. I'm happy that I'm using my capabilities. So I'm happy that I'm able to do it for something bigger than myself because even the races I've done, I haven't done even a lot of races. I did it because I wanted to do it for a cause and also just to show people they want to see a PR. But if it was up to me, I just go and run. Mm. I'd rather go run all day versus trying to go do a race against someone because I'm just always running against That's myself. my issue. So my issue is I'm extremely competitive and it just yeah. so happens that I used to be good at running. The problem though is, is when you're not competing anymore, then what's the point of running? And I'm still struggling with trying to get to where you're at, where you just enjoy being out there running. You have that abundance mindset. You have gratitude. That's what's up, man. Like how many times a day do you think about running? Like, are you already thinking about tomorrow's workout? Every day. Because if I hadn't done my daily run today, I'm talking to you right now, I would have running in the back of my head till it's done. (laughs) I would be thinking about it. And I do have a competitive edge. There's been so many times I have to talk to myself. I get to the race day. I'm standing. I look at all these racers. I'm like, I got to beat this person. And I have to say, hey, hell, stop. You didn't come here to race against these people. You came here to race yourself. And that calmed my nerve as well because you're nervous. And you don't want to let yourself down. So I say, just give your best. So that also helped. And just always through my mind all the time, running, running, running. What can I do to be better? Did I hydrate today because I'm going to pay for it tomorrow? Did I take 10 minutes today to stretch a little longer or foam roll? I'm going to pay for it for tomorrow if I don't do it. It's healthy though for me because it feels like that I'm doing something to keep my body going, to keep my mind going. So it's not like a stressful uh, scenario that I'm thinking about running. But the only side of it that I'm like, the stress part is for me, I got to get my run done. I, like, I want to get it done. If I don't get it done, I feel like my day isn't set yet. So now I feel like I can do anything. I took care of my priority, which is to run. So that was the priority for me and I got it done. So I'm good till... Does it have to be in the morning? I prefer morning. I was actually just talking about that when I got back in shower. I was like, man, there's nothing better feeling than getting your run in first thing in the morning. You got it done. You set the tone for the day. You're feeling good. You're feeling relaxed. Your body is good to go. But sometimes life happens. Like you got to do other things and you just got to make sure you take care of business. It doesn't matter how long you go, how late you go, as long as you get up and take care of business. There's that. I don't want to go late, but I have to go late and I will take care of business. And if I don't want to go late, I got to get up at two, three in the morning and get the run and I've done that multiple times before hopping on a flight to San Francisco to California. Like I'm getting up at two, three in the morning because I don't know what's going to be delayed. I don't know when I get to LA with work with Google at that point or anything, if that's going to give me zero time to get an actual run in. So I take care of it early or I pay for it later. And now you got your whole neighborhood rooting for you. Cause I've seen some of your videos where oh, so you have times. like your neighbors rooting you on, pushing you on as you're coming All home, keep going, keep going. Yeah. <laughs> so they know you, they know you very well, right? If they see me walking, they're like, wait, what's happening? You're supposed to be running. They can't even see me walking. I have to be running. Mm-hmm. Oh, man, yeah. man, man, man. You know, I'm going to ask you this question. And uh-huh. I don't know if you've gotten this question before, but to me, I've seen it, right? Where, you know, I've seen cross-country people get, you know, poison ivy, you know where, because you know what they were doing. So you know, uh-huh. when you go on these nice long runs, like what's the most disgusting body habit or body function that has happened to you on a run? Nothing. What? Now, I'm telling you. Not even had to pee on yourself. No. Because you came close. I've seen it. So you talk about that. That recent video I just put up, I ran 52 miles last Thursday. I was hydrating so much. I was okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Because you can't just say, <laughs> say it again. Yeah. You did what in a day? Tell me what you... I ran 52 miles last Thursday on the 5th. I just wanted to get out and do it and just to see what I can do and then do it for fun because the idea of having fun with it was better. So you enjoy, you don't worry about whatever pain that comes with it. After you answer this, then we're going to talk about how you broke that down because people are like, wait, 50 something miles in a day. Yeah. So I was running one of the runs that were out. It was night out already. I was like a mile in. I'm like, "Uh oh, and my creative director was following me. I was like, I got to go pee so bad right now. And I held it and I got home. It was like 1.5. I mean, 1.1. Five, I run to the bathroom. I was so close of peeing myself. But that's because I've been just drinking electrolyte, just hydrating because I knew what my body's going to need. But I did the New York City Marathon straight. I was taking 
every run, like water station, I did not miss a water station. I was getting a cup of water. Sometimes you don't even get a full water in your mouth because you're running, trying to drink, it spills mm-hmm. on you. Uh, get it right, just back and forth. I never feel like I got to go to the bathroom. There's a certain point where like, I know you feel like you got to pee, but once I get going, your body gets over it. And for number two, it never felt like that. I've never felt like that in running. In fact, I used to question myself. Some people go to the bathroom every day. I was like, do I have like a digestive problem? Because <laughs> I can go two, three days at a time sometime. Oh, when I don't have to go. And I've, asked, okay. I've talked to doctors and things. They're like, no, some people are just different. But I don't feel like I need to go. I don't feel like that at all. I've never had felt like any of that when I'm running long distances. I've done the marathon, the half marathon, the 5Ks, the one miles. And the only thing that's happened to me was one of the recent ones where I had to pee really bad and I was close to it. And when the 245-mile week, I was out in town and all of a sudden I had to pee and I was like running to find the nearest porta potty or the nearest library I can run into or something to pee. And I found something and I went in there and used the bathroom and I continued. All right. So I had to pause from there because I want to jump into this. Tell us about the 52 mile day. How did you do this? Because most people think that this is 52 miles straight. So break it down for us. Yeah, I'll break it down. So let's rewind back to September 16, 2019. I woke up that morning to run 50 miles. So I broke it down to five, 10 miles. And at that point, I don't think I was strong as a runner at that point, but something told me that I could do this. And then I put it out there, put it on Instagram. So I was like, I put this out there, I will make sure I do it. So I was doing 10 miles, come home, rest, 30 minutes, drinking water, eating, getting out. So when I got to mile 40, my body took a huge hit. I wasn't eating enough. I wasn't hydrating enough, but you don't think about it. You don't have the appetite. You just think you're doing as best as you can, putting stuff in you. And I was dizzy and I could barely walk. I was weak. You can tell I lost massive amount of weight and I was just struggling, laying down on the ground. I didn't think I could even make it out to 50 miles. You look gaunt. When I saw oh, yeah. that video, you look, video, your eyes were sunken in and everything. Sunk in, yep. You can see my cheekbone. I can see my rib cage, my back. I lost 10 pounds from 162 to around 152. It was gross to see, and I felt weak. So I'm laying down, and of course, my girl sent me an Instagram post. She didn't know I was feeling this because she was out working. So she had no idea. And she sent me this. This guy completed like a race. It was like an 82-whatever-mile race. It wasn't sure. It was like throughout a certain amount of hours. I think it was like in 20 some hours or less or something. So I look at this, I just got this huge motivation. I'm like, hello, you said you're gonna do 50 miles. You will find a way to make it happen. Even if the last 10 miles, it takes you five attempts to figure that out. So I just changed, put on like neon shirt. So, cause it's dark out. And I had this drive, this level of energy. So I pushed through the last 10 miles, get to 50. But I get home, I was like, I'm excited, but you can tell I'm weak, but the adrenaline is there. So that's when everything turned of event. I started at 11 p.m. till 4 a.m. I was puking, just lactic acid. My body was just in shock. And the next day, I could just eat crackers and Pedialyte. And I got up later that evening to get my streak alive. It was really slow. Uh, we went in for a mile. So listen, like, I remember watching, like, do you remember Batman 3, the one with the Christopher Nolan trilogy? Yes, yes I do. The reason I love that trilogy is it talks about what would really happen if Batman really existed. Right. Yeah. And when there's one reaction, then there's another opposite reaction. Right. In the first part, he was taking care of all these villains. Then all of a sudden, part two, they brought the Joker to take care of him. So it was the opposite reaction. Yeah. And he took eight years off. And you know, one of the first things he did, he saw the doctor. And the doctor said, yeah, your knees are out, your shoulders. You know, I don't recommend you do anything. Anything. Obviously, yeah. like there are real type of consequences to what he was doing. The reason I'm mentioning that is like everybody talks about the street. You know, you're doing all these miles and all these different things. And I'm just listening to you, like the lactic acidosis and the puking. And like, yeah. even at that point, when you're at 40 miles and you're gaunt and so forth, like, why do you keep pushing past it? Don't you ever think like, man, I can have some serious consequences from this. I was thinking to myself that I will make it happen some way, some form. I didn't want to let in. I didn't want to give up. Um, even though I was sitting there, I was so disappointed. And I was like, hell, I was talking. I was like, what did you think you were good enough to run 50 miles? Look how you are right now. But when I found but you out, did 40 miles. That's still something to be proud of. Like I said, 50, 50 was what was in my head. And it's really bad because this is the kind of mentality that you can probably drive yourself to death. That's what I was about to say. Months. Yes, you can. And that's what's dangerous about it. And you got to have people around you that stop you. My girl was like, we got to go to the hospital. That right. Night. I, was, I, was, I, I hope you went to the hospital. No, I didn't. She tried. I said, no, I'm not going anywhere. So she has a nurse friend she was in communication with. And they were asking, what does my pee look like? This and that. Because there's so many factors that was going on. I made it through, I pushed through it. And so that was in the back of my head. I was like, I got to redeem myself. 
I was like, I got to redeem myself because I wasn't really ready physically for that 15 miler, but I was ready mentally. The mind was the only way that made me go through it. I felt. But before this though, you already done a marathon, right? No, I haven't even done a marathon. The marathon was that November. What's the longest you've run before you did this 50 mile day? Not straight. I didn't even do 20 miles in a day yet at that point. Yeah. Think about that. I didn't do 20 miles in a day. So that day when I hit 20 miles, was the longest I've ever done in a day. Before that, it was 17 miles I've done in a day. <laughs> 17 miles. So I didn't. Yeah. So no. I was crazy. The mind was thinking something else, but the body wasn't really ready for it. This time around, fast forward to November 5th, I knew the body was way well ready for it. And the mind was beyond ready for it. So I just told myself, let me go run the whole day. I didn't want to say a number, but I, I for sure knew I want to hit at least 50 miles. But the goal was to do 50 miles and not feel like death and being able to get up the next day and continue my streak like I didn't even run 50 miles. So I get to mile 50. I'm like, all right, let's just do another mile so to make it 51. And I'm thinking 51 sounds odd. And as I'm saying that on a GoPro, I hear a neighbor of mine in the dark saying, come on, do more. I was like, you want me to do more? And he's like, yeah. I said, let's go for 52. He's like, he's umping me up. So I said, we're doing 52 miles. So we did. Well, you were supposed to do 51, but you don't like odd numbers. Yeah. I was like, odd number doesn't sound right. As I'm talking to the GoPro, we got to make it an even number. And then I see my neighbor screaming. I was like, all right, he gave the cue. We're going for 52. So we made it 52 and I get home. I felt like I just got done with my daily run. Like I just went for a seven mile run at 52 miles. So right away, I call it. I had another eight to 10 miles in me, hundred percent. I knew it, but I didn't know if I did that, how I'd feel the next day. And I woke up the next day. I was now sore whatsoever. I didn't lose 10 pounds. I lost maybe a pound, not even, because I was eating a lot. I was eating bagels, peanut butter, rice, taking electrolytes in, more electrolytes than water. So I kept my mass, kept my energy, and I felt like I didn't run 52 miles. And that was the goal, and it was a success. So I literally went out to run 52 miles for fun. That was the idea, and I had fun with it. And my body didn't feel like it got beat up. It felt really good. It felt like I just did my typical run in a day, but it was 52 instead. What's the worst injury you've ever had? Ooh, posterior shin. And I, I had to learn that it was that because it was in the inside calf. You're adjusting my inner calf. It happened to my right leg in 2019 into from like May 2019 into April to like around June past May. It was the worst pain. I would come home like almost in tears in pain, but I didn't want to stop. And I didn't announce that on social media. I just keep powering through. And when people ask me, I talk about it. So this time it happened to my left leg. And from the right leg. So I knew it was the same exact pain because I went through it before. So that started around July, around mid-July. So I decided to go sit down and tell people on YouTube and sitting there and say, I'm injured, but this is what I'm doing. I was still running seven miles that day at that point. I was just going slow and people started, the comments coming in, what do you have to prove? What are you doing? You should stop. <laughs> like, are you crazy? It's not like, you, we know you can run every day. And I wanted to share, everybody asked me, do you get injured? Of course I get injured. Do you get sick? I don't get sick that much, actually. So there's things that happens, but I keep going. I find a way to make it happen. So I was just sharing with you guys because people want to know the reality of it. It's not always sunshine and rainbow. There's stuff that you're going to go through. You're just bound to be injured or something, but you do your best to minimize that or find a way that you can go through. So that's why I wanted to share with people because they're asking for it. But don't you get nervous that like, okay, my body's telling me to stop, right? I mean, obviously the lactic acidosis was one sign, but like for me, like the calf, particularly like yeah. when you get the, to the lower portion of your calf, then you start talking about the Achilles. Mm -hmm. Isn't there a portion that's like, man, I could get really seriously injured and then I'm really out and I cannot run. Like that doesn't come into your mind though. It didn't come into my mind, but I was like, one thing that I thought about, I don't want the injury to last as long as the right leg, which lasted 50 plus days. Okay. So immediately we went from like 50 plus miles in a week. I decreased it to 21 from seven, at least a day to three, five K a day to 21 miles. And then from 21 miles wasn't working. I dropped it to 14 miles a week, which is two miles a day. So I was dropping my distance dramatically and slowing my pace down. So that gave me a little more healing time. So instead of let more time on the leg, getting it beat up. I found a physical therapy. I did what I have to do. I went through the recovery process. And when I told people this on YouTube and I was like, could you imagine if I told them the first time it happened, people would probably be telling me to stop. And I said, the reason I'm I proud and happy that I didn't stop was because I see running as life. I literally as a symbol of life for me in a way. Life isn't easy. We all have gone through something or will go through something. There's going to be the highs. There's going to be the low. You're going to go through so many things. The most people who are mentally healthy, because the mental health is real, 
Do you think that people just stop and throw in a bucket and give up on life? We don't. We cry, we go through all this, but we keep moving forward somehow, even if we're devastated. So it's the same thing for me with running. So I said, I'm not going to just give up on my running. That's like me giving up on life in a way. And I'll find a way to make it happen. I'll find a way to get treatment. I'll find a way to push forward. And then I did what I had to do. I listened to the therapist. They would tell me that usually I would shut you down, but I know you have something, but let's work with it. And next thing you know, I became injury free and I kept the streak going and I was more than proud about it. So some people don't understand that and it's okay because they don't need to. But for me, it's bigger to me. It's important to me. So I find a way to make it happen. I wouldn't even probably share this injury with anyone until they ask, but I just did it because I want people to know the reality of it. Don't think, oh, hella, you're just lucky. You don't get sick. You don't get injured. You just go through it. You're 27, 28, now you're 30. Yeah. I just find a way to make it happen. I have this mindset that I always say, no matter the circumstances, I will get my run in. No matter how cold, hot, snowing, or how I feel, I'm getting out out there that day and, and get that work in. Hold up. Before we continue to all my day ones, and you know each and every one of you who you are, thank you for rolling with the show from Jump. And to the new listeners, welcome. What's good? Where y'all been? I want y'all to stay a while. All right. So look, I'm trying to build a community here and I need your help. So with whatever app you're listening to this show right now, I want you to click the subscribe button. Then I want you to go over to Apple Podcasts and I want you to rate and review the show. And you may be asking, how does this help? The way how it helps is by helping the show to grow and rise up in the rankings so that it's easier for new people to discover the show. Now, what's in it for you is at least once a week, I'm going to be going through these reviews I'm going to pick a lucky reviewer and I'm going to give that person an opportunity to have a 15 minute session with me where we could talk about anything from personal finance, getting your money right to just shooting the you know what about the show. So listen, remember, all I need you to do is subscribe and then rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. Let's get on with the episode. Peace. Mm. So, you know, I think basically what this all boils down to is this is a habit. It's a habit. This mm-hmm. is something that is habitual now. Talk to us about how to build a habit because whether people are listening to this show and all right, I want to eat healthier or I want to run every day or whatever I want to do and I want to build a habit, like talk us through that. How do we start? For example, someone like me, how do I mm-hmm. start to run every day? Is it five minutes a day? Is it 10 minutes a day? Yeah. Like, how do you talk to people about building a habit? Do something that's attainable. Because if I started and I said, I'm going to be running 10 miles a day, I would have probably tap, like, tapped out immediately. I knew 10 minutes was attainable. I knew 10 minutes was something that was just enough. And do something that's attainable. Do it pressure-free. Don't feel like you have to do it for anybody. And have it in the back of your head. If you feel like it's stressing you out, you are free to walk away from it. When you do that, when there's no pressure and it's attainable, you are way ahead of the game at that point because it's just like we get up to go drink water. We get up to go before the pandemic. People go to the movies. People are like, oh, I have a 40-hour work week. I'm so tired. But they still find it during the weekend to go to the bars and hang out with their friends. They make time for these things because you want to do it. You make it happen, right? So there's always time, but just make sure it's attainable and it's pressure-free and you can make it happen. When you start with that alone, you're going to find wow, this is actually not bad. You're going to see that you can do it and then you get more confident and next thing you know, it's just a domino effect. It just keeps rolling or a snowball effect. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger and you find this level in yourself that you didn't even think that existed and that's so exciting and you keep powering through. So let's talk about running across America. Talk to us about that. After the two years, I'm sitting in the dining room and on a dining table, I said, all right, running every day is cool, whatever, but I need another challenge. And right away, I'm like, has anyone really run across the country? Again, I had no idea people have done that. I think about around 300 people have done it ever on record. So I said, this is something I want to do, but I'm not doing it for myself because I know I don't run that miles in a year. How am I going to try to do that in like a hundred days or something? Wait, and before you get to that point, how many total miles have you run? Like you're like close to 6,500 or over 6,500 miles you've done over? Oh, no, I'm over like 7,000. I'm like getting, creeping up 8,000 miles. Yeah, I'm creeping up. I'm over 7,000 miles for sure. Way above. I think I would be surprised actually if I'm not very close to 8,000 or I just have to go look at all my stats. But So your numbers have gone, technically you've gone 
back and forth, I guess. Two times, yeah. Right. Across the country. Yeah. Going for the third one, I guess. But this year already, I'm always at 2,600 miles this year. And I should be at 3,000 already because of the injury. We had to decrease the daily mileage. Otherwise, I'd be at 3,000 already for this year because I literally upped it up a little bit this year. But the run across the country is something I want to do. And I wanted to start since early this year, but pandemic, I want people to be involved with it. I want it to be like a community thing, not just me. And wanted to do it for Soul for Souls, nonprofit organization that kind of raise money or get shoes for people who don't have shoes. 300 million people in the world don't. So I want, and a pair of shoes goes a long way. I know that being African, you know that. We don't get brand new shoes all the time like we do here in the US. You get that one shoe, you better hold on to it till it's done, really right. done, and then you get the next one. So I wanted to start then. It kept getting pushed, pushed, pushed. But I got sponsors in. Gymshark is a sponsor of mine. Vivo Life is a sponsor of mine. They're all in on it. So I just have to find an RV, which I should start doing. I keep staying off of that. But when I find my team, I'm talking to people already who wants to join in. And I'm trying to make it happen by early spring 2021. How long do you think this will take? Okay, me, I like to be competitive. I like to set a little goal time. And I feel like if you settle, you're going to end up doing a lot worse. But if you do some crazy amount of number, even if you don't get to it, you find a drive to get to as close as possible. So I'm giving myself 100 days, but if I can do it in 70 days, that would be monumental. Oh, wow. I mean, and this is a big deal because you'd have to work on hotels. You'd have to work on where you're going to eat. Yeah, we're trying to avoid the hotel thing and have an RV, a mobile home, so we don't get off route and then go 10 miles one way just to go sleep at a hotel, drive 10 miles again to go back to that start area. I'm wasting time. So we can have an RV that can just move with us and mobile and we just park it, we sleep, we get up, we continue from there. You have a route worked out already or? The RV? No, the, the route that you're gonna get. I have a, an idea what states I wanna go through. Uh, it's like California, Arizona, New Mexico, Oklahoma, Missouri, and then I think a little bit of Indiana. We go all the way up to like a little bit of um, West Virginia, Pennsylvania. I don't know if we hit Maryland. I can't remember the exact route. We go all the way through to get to New York City. So I'm going to try to reach out to someone that did it already. And I did the last 17 miles with him. His name is Robbie Ballinger. He did it in how many days? I think he did his in like 75 or something days. So if he can get on my team, I think that's going to be important for the route because he knows the areas to avoid. And if you can't get on a highway, that's illegal. If you get caught running on a highway, that's dangerous. You can get arrested. There's so many things and routes that. And in, in the world that we live in, it's really important for me to have someone with me that know it and have a team so people know what I'm doing. So you never know who's crazy out there. You're in the middle of this country. Who knows someone's going to come after you because they're like, you don't belong here. And I've seen it. So there's so many stuff that logistic that has to go into it. And having the right people around would be very important. You know, I saw in one of your videos that you mentioned that you have a master's in public health. It's an undergrad. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Sociology and public health minor. Really? So, you know, I know you obviously you spent a significant amount of your time in Mali, yeah. here in the United States. Like, what do you think about our healthcare system? Because, you know, obviously right now as we're speaking, mm-hmm. you know, the ACA, Obamacare is on, yeah. might be on the chopping block. You've gotten a chance to be in one country and see what the healthcare system is and compared to the United States. What are your thoughts on just public health, healthcare in general? Our healthcare is amazing compared to what we have in Mali. Right, right. Yeah, so it's, you cannot complain. The stuff that I hear here, I think is a blessing coming from another side of the world. There's little things that people complain about here. I was like, people will take that in Mali any day, any day, because you still have access to healthcare. It's one of those things that's really tough because I can't really speak much on it because I don't know everybody's personal stories. I don't know everybody's personal finances. I don't know what everybody has gone through and what they had to deal with. It's one of those things that's just like, it's tough to talk about it. But I think if everybody can have access to healthcare, whether it's pre-existing or non-exist, like it wasn't there before, and I feel like Obamacare is about that. People who had pre-existing condition, they can still get health care. And I think it's very important for everybody to just have access to get to, how is it working in Canada, pre-health care? How is it working in other parts of the world? And then people, I've actually, I was speaking to someone, was, I think, was it yesterday I was speaking to someone about it? But he was saying he has a, a friend in Canada that was talking about the healthcare, he said, yeah, it's good. But he says, sometimes someone goes ahead of you because their condition is more serious than yours, but you'll get yours. It takes a couple of days, but you get taken care of. If it's working somewhere, why can't we go off the same blueprint if it's working? So that's the thing. I don't have much about that part of it, but yeah. 
as a physician myself, you know, the best part is when you work here in the United States, you know, there's a certain way medicine is practiced, there's a certain expectations that patients have and so forth. And it can be physically and mentally draining. And whenever me and my wife, when we go back to Ghana to do humanitarian work, mm-hmm. you know, it is what I call a professional reboot. Cause I yeah. definitely know what you're talking about. Like it's mm-hmm. people will walk miles People yeah. will wait hours, you know, to get treated by the doctors from America and the things that they have to deal with or the things, the lack of resources that they don't have, it really changes the way in which, you know, I look at things, you know, like even with pain medications or, you know, things like for high blood pressure, you're just like, you don't think about what people don't have. And then when you come back, you're like, why am I ordering so many labs? Or why am I giving so much of this medication, which is showing that it's not working for this person? I call it a professional reboot. I definitely understand what you're talking about. I just really wanted to get your thoughts on, since you study public health, how that works. Now, let me ask you a question. I just want to go real back right into running. How are you tracking your miles? Like, is this all mental and you're writing it? Oh, no, no. I'm grateful that I have a proof of everything. And not so much that I want to show people and show off or anything, but just to show people that this is possible. And then whatever doubters that come along, I'll just be like, all right, here you go to just keep quiet. Because some people are like, oh, this is not true. This is not real. How is this possible? Someone told Pobi on, on my YouTube comment, he's like, I'm a military guy. I'm a professional athlete. This is impossible. Even I can't do this. And I say, well, yeah, you can because you just told yourself you can't. And I have people who do it. I'm actually going to give someone a shout out today when we're done that run every day for 365 days. People are doing this now. And I'm actually more happy for people doing it than me because it shows that I'm not the only one that's capable of doing it. So Apple Watch is what I track everything with. It just happened that I had an Apple Watch when I started running. I'm a huge tech guy. I love anything technology. I want the latest gadget. I'm all about technology. So I had Apple Watch when I started running. All I did was I just started my training app and I was recording the time. And I was like, oh, there's a running app. I'm recording everything. And I just happened to have Apple Watch and everything is an Apple Watch. When I got the iPhone 11 Pro almost a year ago, when I was transferring all that back up into this, it took 16 hours to get almost three hours of running in this watch. And I was so nervous and I thought it was not going to work. I had a mini heart attack and I said, I'm never getting a new phone because I mean, I got to back everything up. And I started, that's how much training data that's on my watch. And I love it. And the GPS is on point within three second countdown. It picks up a GPS. I've run with people with Garmin, literally were maybe points zero something apart. Paces literally is always on point. So I just happen to have my watch and I'm sticking to it. If I get another watch, I'll wear it, but I'll never replace it because I keep the streak onto this. And then finally, you're able to sync your Apple onto Strava. So people are able to even go on Strava and look at it. Even on my TikTok, I did, I just went viral over 2 million views. I think almost 500,000 likes. People are saying this is not real. All I said to them is go to my Strava, hella CD, you'll see everything. The time I ran, the pace I ran, there's no sugar. Why would I make this up to make myself look a certain way? It doesn't matter. So for me, tracking the run ultimately just happened because I was doing it. And then I'm happy that I have it. I make sure that I'm tracking everything just so people see it. Now, you know, I see you smiling all the time. You're always happy. You have a great personality. You're always big about gratitude. Yes. I love it. And then the other thing too is people think they know you based off of your YouTube videos, right? But that's just a select, like what's yeah. the one thing that people think they know about you, but they're actually dead wrong about? People think that, I was always a good runner. I mean, I was always happy most of my life till a certain span of my life. I would say from like 2014 up until 2016, I had this like up and down side that wasn't me and I hated it. And I was just like always pissed, annoyed. And then I don't know if I was depressed. I always say like, I talk about, I'm like, I'll say, I'm not depressed. I'm just frustrated. Maybe I was depressed. I just don't know. I was trying to kind of like diagnose myself as if I'm a doctor. That's what I was about to ask you. Like, do you ever curse? Like, <laughs> like I do it out of joy sometimes. Like I just do it, but <laughs> I don't feel comfortable doing it. Even my, my social media, you'll never catch me. You'll never catch me saying it. But in person, if you're around me, you'll catch me doing it out of joy. Like it's not even because I'm trying to like be mean to someone to say something to them. But yeah. And one thing that people assume that's true, that I've always been a happy person even in my life because I grew up in a humble background. You're always thinking about it could always be worse kind of mentality. And another thing that people assume about me that is not true is that, of course, it's easy for him to get up and run every day because he doesn't have to like work. He's rich off of YouTube. He has money. He can, I'm like, what? When I started this running journey, I was at an office nine to five. I had a nine to five job and I still find a way to either work up before going to office to run or run at night. So that's just excuses to me. 
people think that like I just live in luxury, so it's easy for me to just get up and go run because I don't have to worry about anything. I said, so people assume about that, and I think that's complete opposite. I still live life like everybody else. It's just that how I prioritize things and how I look at things from a perspective point of view and make it happen. Do you still do that nine to five or have you? No, I, I left that. I became my own boss. That was the best feeling in the world when I quit that. Talk to I'm us like, about that. I, want more I don't work that. for anybody but more myself. Give me more. Yeah. Give me more, Helen. And Come on, bring it out. Literally, yeah. first of all, there was only a certain point in my life where I can work legally in the United States. I wasn't allowed to work legally in the United States. I was allowed to be in the United States legally. I had my proper documentation. My lawyers were helping me. I was here legally. After college, I'm on a J2 visa. They want to kick you out. So you're sanctioned. So that was waived. I was here legally. I couldn't travel either. I was here, but I wasn't allowed to. When I get my working permit, the temporary ones, I take advantage of it before it expires. There's so many stuff that goes with immigration. And when I was able to work, I was able to work. When I wasn't, I wasn't. But the time that I was actually able to work full time and nothing was going to stop me, I started working immediately. And then I was training people. I was doing soccer aside as a train because I played my whole life. Speed and agility soccer is what I'm good at. And I realized that I was making better living with that instead of going sitting in an office working eight hours a day and not making anywhere nearly eight hours with what I would make in one hour. I was barely making that in an eight hour shift. I wasn't even making that eight hour shift. Like, how does that make any sense? So I said to me, let me put all my energy into what I'm doing for training. So my main income was my training, training people. I'm doing YouTube. If YouTube was about money, we would have quit a long time ago. You don't make anything from YouTube AdSense. I mean, it's grateful that I'm making something from that. The biggest things are from the sponsors. I'm very grateful. Gymshark is my sponsor. Vivo Life, a plant-based protein company out of the UK. And we have Whoop over here as well. So I am my own boss. I have an LLC, Hello Good Group. And I literally don't work for anybody. And I'm not going to work for anybody for the rest of my life. That's what I'm myself. talking about. That's, That's what, what I'm talking about. about. Yeah. yeah. I love it. I love Nothing it. Nothing else. Yeah. Well, I mean, was it hard for you to transition? I mean, I guess in terms of the money, yeah. you already see that from working for yourself, the money, because I know a lot of people... They're good at something that's not their main gig, but mm-hmm. the security or the quote unquote security yeah. coming in, checking in, getting that cash. Yeah. It's scary to be like, yeah, I don't want to do that it anymore. Let me focus on this. I was scared. Yeah. Talk I was to us scared about because, that. Because that weekly money was guaranteed and my training wasn't guaranteed. Some people go on vacation, some clients cancel on you the day of and then that money that you could have made. So that's never guaranteed a training thing. It's funny that that was my main source of income. Now training is just like a side thing for me. It's crazy to say that I'm like, and the people- Wait, you're saying your main income comes from running? uh, Yeah, I'm a professional runner. I get paid to run, so I'm a professional runner. I'm not elite, but from doing something. Got you, okay. Yeah, and uh, I won't even hide that, and I'm very proud of it because I work for it. It was just something I was afraid of that became passion, that became a job, a job that's not even a job to me because no matter what, I'm gonna get up and get my running. So it's like a- it's a beautiful situation for me. And I always think back to people who were laughing at me when I started YouTube, people who give you that look and they know, and all of them, all of them know. When you tell someone, oh yeah, I, I'm doing YouTube, you get this look that you know that they're looking down on you. They're like, okay, you're wasting your life doing YouTube. What are you going to get out of that? They won't tell you, but being a human, you can read body language. I'm a sociology major. I took criminology classes. I took how to read people's body languages you know it hurts you so deep inside but you don't react to it you're like wow i'm glad that you think this of me and then people say it takes about two to three years for your business to really flourish it was very accurate because we're three years in now with this youtube thing and this is when like everything is like flourishing to the fullest and it's something that we won't take it for granted and we're grateful for it and we're going to keep pushing forward with it but all those people that were sitting there that were saying certain things without even being silent about it. Like, oh, cool, you're doing YouTube. Oh, cool. And just another reminder from me is do not listen to what anyone has to say, what anyone thinks about you. If it's something that makes you happy, get up and do it. And I'm so happy that I did it because some people go to work all the time, like you were just saying. They do it because of security, but they're miserable. It's tough. And then me, I could 100% say that I love my job. And I feel like even if it doesn't make me a billionaire or a millionaire or making a lot of money. Some people are making a lot of money, but they don't like what they're doing. They're stressed. And I've never felt stressed in this time of stuff that I'm doing. And then I'm so grateful for people around me that makes it easy for me because there's certain things that I don't have to worry about in life that makes it easy 100% without a doubt. But whatever that you think that's going to bring happiness for you and you can just live off of, even if it's not a lot, I feel like that's the winning. That's the kind of thing you want to be on because like who knows anything about life? You want to make sure that you're enjoying it every second. 
What does your family and Molly think about? Oh, oh man, my dad does not mess around. When he saw, he said, "What are you trying to be?" They say a mannequin, which means mannequin if you translate it, but I mean you're trying to be a model. What is this YouTube thing? Don't do it. My own sister, my sister and I have a really good relationship. It's been on and off. We've had a time or moments. We've had time where we literally like don't even communicate, piss at each other. Um, I remember my sister telling me that I'm wasting my time on YouTube. And in fact, her wedding, and I tell this, I won't even hide it. And I sometimes mess with her about it. When her wedding came up two years ago, it was my first YouTube big check that I bought my plane ticket to go to her wedding. If it wasn't for that, I had no money to go to her wedding because it's expensive. But she literally dropped a bow on us literally a month before her wedding. Oh, my wedding's happening in Mali. Now, it's not like the U.S. they give you a whole year, but the African, they can, someone can get up to them and say, my wedding is this coming next Friday. You get ready for it. So I had to find a way to get like a $1,500 ticket and then plus worry about the bills I have to pay here and then flying over there and to come back. So it was YouTube literally paid for that. So I said, Fadima, remember you're the one who was making fun of me about my YouTube telling me that I'm wasting my time. Well, thanks to YouTube, I was able to make it to your wedding. How sad it would have been if your brother wasn't at your wedding. Mm -hmm. So I would mess with it. It wasn't like to be mad. It's just for me to laugh with her. Like, thank God I didn't listen to you. Don't put people down just because you think it's not going to work. That's what I wanted her to just see that side of it. But my mom, my mom is nice to me. And I know she really thinks it's something serious for me that's going to get me anywhere in life. But she doesn't want to tell me that. Because she loves me. I can see it. Mm-hmm. She's like, well, hell, if you can find something also. Like, you know, they're telling you that. But my dad is the one that's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Find something serious. You're getting old. You're getting to 30, which I am now. Yeah, you're, happy belated happening. birthday. Yeah, thank you. This is happening. What are you doing? Because of my dad, actually, I did public health. I didn't want to be a doctor. Like, anyway, he wanted me to be a doctor. So I took public health so he could calm down a little bit. So I just, so yeah, he was in family was funny. My little brother is the only one that, that guy that was like, you know what? I can see something with this hell. I keep it going. He's the only one that didn't really. And he likes to be on social media and showing things. So he was the only one that was like, man. He gets it. Gonna be, he gets it. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He got it. Yeah. Man. And we believe in it. Yeah. My creative director and I, my girl, we believe. In the beginning, we were like, we're going all in. We don't care if we get views or not. If we change one person's life, that's what it's about. I love it. I love it. Well, look, man, you're inspiring on so many different levels. So Thank you. I'm going to say it right now. I tried this last year. Uh-huh. And then I tried it a little bit this year, but you have inspired me because I agree with you running. I felt so on top of the world when I ran in college and when I ran in high school. And, you know, I felt like my body was just, I just felt like I was in control of everything. You know, yeah. you feel invincible. I feel invincible. Like when I run, yeah. not only from a physical standpoint, but mentally, I feel great. And then when I'm running too, I feel like when I'm lifting also, like I lift, I do certain exercises to make me run faster. And I feel like I can lift anything. Like, I'm not even gonna lie. At one point I could bench, you know, when I was like 17, I was like 130 pounds, but I could bench like 220. That's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, because it's just like the way yeah. how we trained and stuff, you know, like physically, I just felt at the top of my game. Yeah. So I want to say that you've inspired me to really be a better version of myself. I appreciate mentally, that. Physically. Yeah. And I know that you get a ton of this stuff, but I just want to say personally, I really appreciate you. what you're doing. And I want to say on this show, starting today, uh-huh. starting my streak. Let's go. You guys hear that? <laughs> now, oh, I am starting now, my streak. There's no way out. There's no just way remember, out. Remember, the only thing I would say is just give what your body gave you that day, even if that's five minutes. Because five minutes goes a long way. If you think about it, five minutes every day adds up versus doing 20 minutes today and take two days off. So just make it nice. It's all about volume control too. Whatever your body feels that day, give that and don't try to do more than that because it's a marathon. You don't have to try to kill yourself in one day. It's like one day at a time. And then you find this momentum, you find this like energy, you find this, you get better with it. And it's just, I know you got this in the bag. I know for sure. I won't even doubt it. I can tell. Yeah, thank 100%. you. Thank you yeah. very much. I'm going to make sure I tag you. Yeah, that you can check on me. Please I know do. you get and a lot of people do that it. to you. So, but yeah. Yes. And then I know... You having an athlete background, there's this drive that we have. How come we're able to get up at this time in the morning to go to your training session? Like even track, you guys get up early. I've been to a track workout, boy. People don't know. Running, I have so much more respect for runners than ever in my life. Track workouts are deadly. I've done track workouts. I'm like, oh my gosh. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about doing some like switching to just like, okay, I want to train for a mile, but I want to do a mile on the track or I want to do a half mile on a track. Like, have you thought about that? I tried. Yeah. And I've tried to even do a 5k PR and track training, but 
something, I got injured and that went off the charts. So definitely, I want to do a 1K time trial because people are doing that. I want to see how fast I can run 0.62 miles. And I want to do a 100 meter to see how quick that I could do that without any training. I don't want to like go practice. I just want to go one day and get the speed and see how fast I can do that. Because I was a winger in college. I could just 60 yard sprint. Um, my highlights, you can check it out. No one could catch me. It was one-on-one foot race. I always had the speedy side of me, but I don't know how that's going to translate into track because track is you don't have the form soccer we have the speed but we have no aerodynamic or body swing every direction um so i'm trying to see yeah the 100 meter time the 1k and we're gonna try to beat the mile again our pr on that and yeah so i think track workouts are really fun but they're tough track runners i have a lot of respect for even the 800 meter runners no thank you there's no flow i think the 800 is the worst yeah probably the worst race in track because it's a long sprint you're trying to sprint for 800 meters because you can't really jog it. And a mile, at least I can pace myself and pick up the last, like, what, half mile or whatever. No, in this one, you got to go hold the speed and maintain and try to push it even more the last 400 meters. I don't know how people do that. That's see, scary. But see, that gets my juices running, and that's yeah. the competitive part, and that's where I think for this streak that I'm going to do, you're gonna be fine. I'm going to have to take that out and just say, I just want to run because run. I just want to run. Yeah, I know Hella's watching. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. I know. Hella's I can't watching. wait. You gotta make it to the three sixty-five club. So three hundred sixty-five club team. Okay. All right. Yes, we got. I'm gonna see you today. there. I will see yes. you there. Everyone is listening. I will be there with you. Like I said, I said it earlier. You inspire me. You're inspiring a bunch Thank of people. You. Thank you for your time. I know your time Thank is you very so precious. So having this me. is great. Thank yeah, you, Hella. Great. Thank you.